Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast with Pamela McNutt, CIO at Methodist Health System. I'm Kate Gamble, Managing Editor and Director of Social Media. In this interview, McNutt talks about the deliberate and fiscally conservative approach that has helped sustain Methodist throughout the years, how her team's standardization efforts have helped pave the way for digital transformation, and the pivotal role CIOs play in guiding financial decisions and contract negotiations. First off, congratulations on 30 years. That's, that's really remarkable. Um, I don't have to tell you, in this industry, same organization and role. And uh, I think that's, that's really a, a testament to probably a lot of different factors. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it is unusual. I know from you know how many people I... I've known in the industry, there's some, like Dave, I think David Weiss had 30 years before he retired at Barnes Jewish Christian, but it's not very common. Mm-hmm. No, no, certainly not. So what I wanted to talk about was also like how the organization, how that evolution has kind of taken shape and um, really, you know, more specific to your role and what IT is doing. But just to get a bit of background, Methodist is, you know, large system, you're located around Dallas organization just you know has certainly had a lot of growth over the years especially recently Uh one of the things that i find interesting is when you do have that kind of growth it seems like it's really important to make sure that it's done in a sustainable way because you know it can happen if things happen too fast but is that something that's really been like a really deliberate approach Yes, yes, we are very deliberate about about things. You know, a, a few of our hospitals have been through acquisition, and then the others we've grown from the ground up, and we probably best at growing them from the ground up. I think that's been one a really good testament to Methodist is we very carefully selected sites to do growth in, mm-hmm. and and then build a new hospital there from the ground up in emerging communities, and we've been very successful with that. Yeah, we are very deliberate in everything we do, um, and I think that serves us very well. We we're also for many years we've we've always been very conservative financially, so we always weigh everything you know very carefully from a financial standpoint, including not just growth but um, yeah, how we manage our operations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is tremendously important, and. Um, so when you did take on the CIO role, obviously things looked a bit different, but um, from an IT standpoint, when was the first like major change? Well, really, um, very quickly after I got there, it, it was all in the evolution when it was before true EHRs, but it's when mm-hmm. people were starting to do more than just billing and registration type systems, and they were implementing nursing systems and automated pharmacies, labs, radiologies, and tying things together with interfaces. It was in that era when mm-hmm. when all that was starting, when I, when I came on board. And that was one of the first things we, we needed to do was to upgrade or revamp some of those systems to move into what at that time was the modern era of yeah. nursing documentation with integrated labs, pharmacy, and radiology. Okay. So that was pretty much a, a priority like right away for you to get jump into that. Yes, exactly. And also, you're going to laugh at this, but another big priority was, you know, basic office and email automation. That mm-hmm. was during the beginning of, of emails. Yeah. And basic automation of our um, administrative functions. 
Yeah, that and that's huge. And talk about workflow changes. That's <laughs> doesn't. That's a big one. <laughs> well, and developing standards. I think if I had to say, there's another thing that Methodist has been really good at. It's developing standards mm-hmm. and. That works very well for us for being able to run, I'm just speaking from an IT perspective, I can run a lean IT shop and I also um, have biomedical engineering and and they run lean and cost effectively and I think that the secret saucer is really a great deal of standardization, whether it's a workstation, software, biomedical equipment, whose products we buy yeah. um, that need the support of the biomed team. I think that's the secret and, the, and our company as for many years, because we started out with two hospitals. So, so it was luckily as we grew, we kept that discipline of saying we're going to have standards. Yeah. And I think that has served us very well over the years in being able to be very cost effective in what we do. Yeah. And has that been at some points difficult to maintain that, to stick to that? Not, not well, you know. Obviously, when you, especially when you do an acquisition, one of the questions always is, "Well, can't we keep some of the mm-hmm. stuff that they yeah. currently have?" And some things you can, you know, like um, maybe it's not your standard for CT scanners, but it's working fine, so you're not going to replace it. You know, it, so there is um, systematic, a very precision look at what we do or don't don't replace. But all in all, I've had four different CEOs, and all of them as well as now two CFOs, have all been incredibly supportive. Oh, and mm-hmm. our COO, too. Once, you know, they created a position of COO, yeah. probably, that was probably 15 years ago. All of them are so incredibly supportive of maintaining these standards. And we have a forum to, to discuss things. If a hospital has a reason they want to deviate from a standard, we have some ways they can express their opinions, and then we all decide whether it's, it's something we're going to do or not. Yeah, I'm sure that that can get interesting at times. Yeah, but I, but it's just, you know, it's just incredible the amount of support that we have. And also, all of our hospital presidents, you know, probably hurt sometimes for them, but they, mm. but they understand that we have standards and we will change standards from time to time. And if they're very passionate about something, maybe it's a time to look at changing a standard and get you know, everyone to understand the merit that you're seeing in, in, in some new product or some modality if it's the biomed world. But um, all in all, just everybody really, this is a great thing about Methodist. Our culture here is very binding in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll, people at Methodist refer to this as their Methodist family. And that's all part of the culture too, mm-hmm. is all marching towards the same mission, which at the forefront of it is, of course, the patient. Yeah. And what's right for the patient. And I think we've kept that in mind over all these years. And that's what keeps Methodist, you know, moving in a positive direction. And for me, makes it fun and rewarding to work here. Yeah. And when, when you say binding, though, what, what do you mean by that? We take culture very seriously here. Mm-hmm. And over the years, you can see it pretty quickly, if somebody really doesn't believe in and isn't really engaged in what our culture and mission are they generally don't last very long so it's Mm. you'll see people you know occasionally they're here a year or two and then there's a whole bunch of the rest of us that have been here 10 15 20 25 years yeah (laughs) so I, i think that's what you know kind of the binding piece is is binding to the methodist culture because we're so mission focused and 
I, I also need to, you know, I said all of our senior executives are very supportive of this. Our board mm-hmm. is incredibly supportive. Yeah. Yeah, that's hugely important. And it's, you see a lot of the same longevity and dedication to Methodist in our board as you're going to see in our executive and other management ranks. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a special, special place. Yeah, certainly. So having kind of that framework in place where you talked about, you know, the importance of standards, I imagine that that played a role once it was time to move to EHRs. Yes, it did. And we made two different decisions there. We went with one. We've had a couple changes of EHRs here, but they all had a good run, you know, like 10 (laughs) plus years. But Mm. when we started um, really expanding our footprint in our our medical practices and really growing our Methodist medical group and bringing in more physicians and specialists into that medical group, it became apparent, and also as we grew more hospitals too, it became apparent that we really needed a totally integrated EHR. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really, again, the same thing, to do the right thing for the patients in particular so they could have one unified record. But of course, that's also very helpful to our to our physicians and our caregivers to have that unified view. So that became a strategic priority for us in 2015, and that's when we moved to a unified electronic record between our divisions, if you will. Okay, which I'm sure that that was um, a pretty significant undertaking. Oh, it was. It was huge, but it's it's been so so rewarding and and where we were on the same journey there were so so many other health systems would say the same thing either a little before that time frame or right around that time frame people making that decision to move to a unified electronic record platform and it was also right after the era of where we needed to really get interoperability working really well to share data with other electronic record systems so it all fell into place really nicely to do a modernization campaign yeah Um, and then we recently, well, we've been up for one year now on Workday, but we did a similar thing in unifying our components of our administrative and payroll and HR systems into one unified platform. Yeah. Yeah, so you really have a blueprint in place when it comes to, you know, these big initiatives and I'm sure that that makes a huge difference, along with, of course, having the right people in place. Right. I mean, that the right people are extremely important um, when you undertake a project of that size. And um, in particular, with with our EHR um, employment from 2015 to 2017, where we went to Epic. I mean, it's no secret so many people are on Epic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And the, the unification of all the areas that came together to do that, it, it was truly amazing. Um, yeah. And I think it's why we were very successful in our EPIC um, implementation. Um, the, the leadership that came to the table, both at a higher level and also at like levels like mine and my other peers that were a part of this EPIC journey, it was, it, it just went so smoothly because we were all just in lockstep together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, that's not something that that happens overnight having that <laughs> that type of culture and i'm sure that it's something that really constantly needs to be uh attended to yes but i think that gets back to the methodist culture is we all know why we're here and it's to do the right thing for our patients 
you know, and our physicians and all of our colleagues. That's why we're here. Yeah. Going through what, what everyone did about three years ago, obviously there was so much change and a really a difficult time, but um, can you talk a little bit about like, how your team kind of got through some of the, uh, the biggest challenges of COVID? Well, probably the biggest initiative we saw was we were one of the first in the whole country to receive the vaccine in December. Mm-hmm. And we were literally one of the first in the country. We received the shipment and was the first to roll it out. So it was very chaotic knowing who was going to get what when. And then how do you how do you begin to roll that out in a non-chaotic fashion to mm-hmm. everyone that needs to have the vaccine rolled out to them? And in particular, as that population grew where we could roll it out not just to employees, then we were starting to roll it out to other patients and other family members of people who worked here. And then you go even further and then started doing community clinics and how we so quickly came together to figure all that out, Mm -hmm. you know, setting up auditorium, setting up, planning to set up an auxiliary emergency department outside one of the hospitals, the way we, we move so quickly to do all that and also figured out how to do things like self-scheduling for patients to schedule for a, a COVID vaccine. Yeah. Um, the teamwork was, that's the one thing I think we all came away from is the teamwork that went into place there. And then in IT in particular, what really struck my team's hearts and it really struck their hearts was trying to do something, anything that we could do to make sure that patients who were in isolation from their families could try and make some kind of contact with them through electronic means. Mm. And that was really quite a passion for my teams to get that get that done. It was a very extraordinary time. I'm one I'm sure most of us won't forget hmm. all the efforts that we did in the background. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. I, oh and also let's not forget how to figure out with like twenty four hours notice how to get the majority of our <laughs> workforce working from home. <laughs> right. Yeah. That that that's I shouldn't say that <laughs> I need to backtrack on that. The the majority of our non clinical Right, right. Working at home. Yeah. And just so many heroic efforts and Herculean efforts went on during that time frame. I'm sure we'll all be proud of them for the rest of our lives. Mm. Oh, yeah, sure. And I think that for IT, it kind of presented an opportunity to really have that connection to patient care that maybe isn't always so clear to see. And I think at least from the outside, it was just really encouraging to see that that impact that IT has. Oh, exactly. You know, the telemedicine aspects of bringing specialists in when you couldn't bring them in, having patients have televisits for, you know, their healthcare needs when when we were all being told healthcare workers, you know, in clinics try and find another way other than in person. Mm. And everything that was done during that, you're right, it was very rewarding to have that big of an impact. Yeah. Not that IT doesn't always, but it was just easier to see. Yeah, um, No, it's not. I mean, you know, the average person out in a clinic or on a nursing unit doesn't understand why my help desk can so accurately, can so quickly address a need on one of their devices because of the great deal of standardization that we've done and the tools we put in place. They don't appreciate that, but but that's what we're contributing to the organization is that rapid response. Yeah. They appreciate the rapid response. They don't understand everything that went into place to make that be possible. Mm-hmm. Right, so, right. 
And I know this is kind of a broad question, but the CIO role itself has changed so much and evolved so many times. But what would you say has kind of been the most significant way in that that it has changed? Well, you know, over time and the 30 years I've been here, yeah, IT was just automating some things. Right now, fast forward to where we are today, and it's only going to get more dramatic, is almost everything has some kind of IT component mm-hmm. to it. That's why I have biomedical engineering is because almost everything you get now in biomed have IT components to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could say the same, so many initiatives, and whether it's an IT component that you're running in-house are a software as a service or something that a, that a department or a, a program wants to have, um, we still get heavily involved with that because of the security aspect. And I don't need to tell you that security mm. has taken front and center over the last five years. Yeah. Um, and that's even getting more intense. But we're very much appreciated for that and our ability to look at the security aspects or the data transfer, the data, data security aspects of cloud computing or um, software as a service that people want to buy. So we're not only seen as the folks that host things and do things, we're also seen now very much as consultants. Yeah. You know, to, to help in this new world of cloud computing where you can get so much. For instance, we went Workday for our ERP. It's completely cloud hosted. Just... and But more and more of that, that's the way things are going. And... But it's up us to up to be up to us to make sure that this is all safe and secure and that we can deliver it properly and with seamless sign on experiences and things like that. So we've really and we've really become a bit more of a consultant. And also the interesting thing is because we do have our fingers in so many pies, mm-hmm. our folks my team has very broad knowledge about a lot of subjects beyond the basic, you know, of IT. Oh yeah, I'm sure. You're talking about, okay, rolling out something new like hospital at home. Well, there's a technology aspect to it, but then there's also a knowledge about billing requirements, supplies, you know, just because of all the um, all the systems that we're involved in. Many of my staff have broad knowledge of operations, which yeah. I think then adds to the value and adds to the value of the CIO. If you have a good understanding of operations. Yeah, it's become so important. Yeah, so it's not just processing things anymore. You're really deeply involved in clinical and other operational aspects. Well, another thing you that I think has been, at least for me, has contributed to my success is being being very financially focused. I do have a business major, and so I had a good background in finance. And so that's really key for a CIO. Now, you may have someone who does more of the day-to-day financial things in IT, but you have to have a broad grasp yeah. of the financial impact of your operations as well as being able to guide other people as they're looking at proposals for a system or some program that has an IT component, and you can give guidance on the financial aspects of it as well. I think that is a skill set that CIOs you bring to the table or should bring to the table. Yeah. It's all about everyone on the senior team, including the CFO, you know, trusting your judgment. If you say, I've, I've looked at this, this conversion to Epic and, and I'd 
feel like these numbers are correct of how much it's going to cost us. And I know we can meet those numbers Mm -hmm. and to have accurate budgeting every year. Yeah. No surprises. (laughs) No big surprises. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And even just, you're talking about work day and, you know, or migrating to something like that. Um, I would imagine it really helps to have that, be able to look at things financially um, and not just the details, but, you know, on the, on the whole as well. Yeah, no, that's right. And so I, I mean, for me, it's been essential to, to really get the confidence of the entire other C-suite executives is, is to be known or having the financial prowess to manage these large-scale projects. Yeah, and then you've also been involved in uh, policy work, too. So that's another aspect that I'm sure has been pretty uh, beneficial. Yes, it it was beneficial to me. I'm just interested in it. I just find it interesting, and I like when I see something, a policy that's being put forth, and there's some aspect of it that just doesn't make sense you know, I like to speak up about it. And, mm-hmm. and as you know, I do that with the Chine Policy Committee. And we hear that folks in Washington like to talk to us to get our boots in the ground, boots on the ground reaction to things. And that's the way we tend to look at it is to try and tell somebody, whether it's about a, a regulation or whether it's a bill that's being introduced to say, this aspect of it is really great. We love it. We love the intent. We love the idea. But here's where Honestly, it may not work in hmm. real life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so big. And it needs so clarity or it needs a complete overhaul. But I, I hmm. love doing that and then seeing the results of that when we are able to help shape bills. And, and it's not it's not to make them work well for us necessarily, mm-hmm. but it's to make the bills that are being proposed or the regulations to, to actually achieve the goal they want to achieve. Yeah. Right. But we like to look out for what's the right thing to do for the industry. Yeah. And for the, again, for the patients, for the staff, if something is just not going to work or it's unsafe, Mm -hmm. we're going to speak up. And I just love doing that. And of course it benefits my organization to be on top of these regulations so that we don't take a misstep and get a penalty or, or miss an opportunity to, to get in on an incentive. So it's worked. It's, it's (laughs) win-win. Yeah, for sure. That's some really good uh, advice for uh, people who do want to step into CIO or or similar role. But some of these things that have really been helpful for you, it's be well-rounded, but really have that financial interest. And And I do think like when people know they can turn to you and you know policy and you know regulation, people in your organization, it does give you kind of an extra set of credentials. Yeah. And so that is also advisable for people to keep, to keep up with it. It's not everybody's passion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Sometimes that's the thing that you really need to pay attention to. Right, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't come naturally. Exactly. You don't want to be the one where the CFO comes in and says, can you explain <laughs> to me why we didn't, why we took a penalty on promoting interoperability this year? Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then the worst answer would be, I don't know. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> And that's lastly, I would say forming those relationships, I'm sure, is is so critical to everything. Yeah. And I would also say another thing that maybe not every CIO has in their toolkit. And and if you don't, then make sure you can augment it. It's really having prowess around contract negotiations Mm. and being able to help legal, unless you are lucky enough to have a dedicated IT legal 
professional on your legal team, which most organizations don't. Maybe some of the really huge ones or state-affiliated ones probably do. But that you can be a partner with them and also in the negotiations to make good business deals. Yeah. And make sure that you have language and contracts that protects you from some unexpected outcome, shall I say, Yeah. of your contract. Right. You get a big surprise, like in year three or four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's, I mean, maybe you're not a lawyer, and none of us are probably lawyers as CIOs. I think there actually is one that is, though. But at least know your way around that and being able to participate in, in negotiations and at least know the business terms that you're trying to negotiate and what are good business terms for any technology contract. And there there are different business terms between stuff you may run in-house and stuff you may run software as a service, and you need to um, understand those differences when you're negotiating. Yeah. Yeah, I would think that that's hugely important and, you know, making sure that you're getting the best value for all this, you know, all this investment that's being made. And looking out for the gotchas because, yeah. you know, what you may be proposed in a series of proposals when you're making a big decision, a really huge decision like the EHR, the ERP, or PAC system, or anything very large. What you're put in proposals, now you got to make sure that the contract language matches it. And like I said, you don't want a surprise in year three to find out that some aspect of your pricing expires in year three. Yeah. <laughs> and that the rules change. Yeah. <laughs> and you also have to understand, you know, how, especially in the software as a service world, how what's the metric that you're being held to for what the licenses and the cost yeah. track against? Really important. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.